0: Steve, have you played piano here before? Uh, Thursday night. Thursday night? I like to imagine you guys all can interchangeably play every instrument. I invite you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're continuing in our series, a little break for this summer, called The Forensics of Faith. And we'll just be looking at one verse today, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Hope you're all doing well. We're into a new month, which this year is flying by. And I was actually thinking yesterday, with all the changes and, you know, sports seasons being disrupted, I'm not optimistic, really, about football season and other sports being thrown off. And I think other events are going to be thrown off, like trick-or-treating. and th- I, was, I was thinking yesterday, I was like... I think we're going to see some early Christmas decorations this year, just my theory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, let those of us Who know Christ, set our minds on the things that are above. Let us put an end to areas of sin. May we be a people who love you and whose first desire is to know you better. Lord, we pray that your grace be communicated to all of us through your word. Remind us, we pray, of the forgiveness which you offer to all people through your Son. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in college, I had this pair of jeans that I loved. Having such a perfectly good pair of jeans was a joy that, sadly, most people I don't think have ever even known. Every time I put these jeans on, it was magic. Every time I put these jeans on, you could almost hear angels singing. Every time I put these jeans on, I looked so good that the girls on campus were so intimidated that they wouldn't even talk to me. (laughs) But eventually the jeans began to develop a small hole in them. And at first I tried to ignore the hole, but eventually it got bigger and bigger until I inevitably had to make one of the hardest decisions of my life. What do I do with these jeans? I didn't want to throw them away. I loved these pants. So I came up with this idea, I thought, I wonder if I took some safety pins and tried to pin the hole shut, if that would work. So I took a couple safety pins and that looked pretty good. I thought, I think this might work. But I wanted to be thorough because, as is obvious, I love these jeans. And so I used a lot of safety pins, pinned the jeans closed, put the pants on, and I'm thinking, I'm a genius. And later that night, I was going to some event with some of my friends, and uh, a friend came to my fraternity house, and I got in the back seat of the car, and just the, the moment I sat down, just whoosh, ripped right open. And I'm thinking, I actually was thinking well, about still going, I was like, I can't go like this. So I got out of the car, and I start walking back to my fraternity house up the driveway, but as I'm walking, I'm getting poked by all the safety pins. <laughs> It was kind of like, imagine that you're walking and you have a porcupine attacking you between your (laughs) legs. I tell you that story for this reason. You can have something in your life that you love, that you need to let go of, because holding on to it will cause a lot of pain. We're continuing in our series this morning, as I said, the forensics of faith. Last week we talked about regeneration, that's being born again. It's God giving us new spiritual life. This week, we talk about sanctification. And to define that, sanctification is the process of being made holy once someone has come to faith. Regeneration happens once. Sanctification happens throughout life. When we are regenerated, we are given a new spiritual disposition and volition to follow God. Sanctification is a lifetime of fruit because of regeneration. Sanctification must be accompanied by regeneration. Because we cannot be sanctified without the means of the Spirit. And we don't have the Spirit without the new life in Christ through regeneration and being born again. And so the main idea from this text this morning is that God makes the unholy holy. And we have two points that we're going to look at today. Who is sanctified and how we are sanctified. So jumping into our passage, the first point. 2 Corinthians 3.18 begins and says, And we all with unveiled face. I think it's important to help with some background. When Paul talks about our faces being unveiled, he's referring to Exodus 34. And in that chapter, Moses is given commands from God. And Moses, when he's being given those commands, is in the presence of the Lord. And as a result of that experience, Moses' face becomes illuminated. Moses' face is radiantly glowing, and the Israelites are afraid of this. You might be thinking, well, I wouldn't be afraid of that. Yeah, you would. A lot of us can't handle a spider. I think somebody's face... Vibrantly glowing would be a little bit unnerving. So Moses would put a veil on his face when he preached to the Israelites. And when he was in the presence of the Lord, he would take the veil back off. And so our verse in 2 Corinthians this morning is saying that all believers are able to approach God as Moses did with unveiled faces. A couple verses before our passage, 2 Corinthians 3.16, says that when a person comes to God, the veil is removed. And we have the great benefit of all being able to approach the Lord. And we have that privilege because of the work of Christ. God grants us access to himself. God is not distant from us. And I think it can be easy to overlook how truly wondrous and spectacular that is. If you're a private in the military and you have an issue, you can't just go to the general and talk about it. You go to your commanding officer, I see Gene laughing. That wouldn't have worked in the Marine Corps. If you work in a large company and you have an issue, you don't just go to the CEO and talk about it. There's a chain of command, you go to your supervisor. But the God of the universe is not distant. He's not too busy or too important. He is. Too, he's not too busy or making himself unavailable for us to approach him and go to him. He grants us access to him in spite of how wondrous and glorious he is. And again, I think it can be easy to not even really think about how profound that privilege is, that the God of the universe allows us to go to him, that we don't have this great wall of separation between us and God because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has enabled us to be in the presence of, of the Lord it's true of all Christians and it is only true of Christians because we are sanctified through the Holy Spirit it is given to all who have faith in the gospel which is why I try to make this point so often which is that a true and sincere faith necessarily results in a life that is changed God does not keep us the same So that's our first point. We'll spend most of our time in our second point today, which is how we are sanctified. And again, looking at 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, that's profound. We who contemplate The glory of the Lord, who behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image. The means through which the Lord sanctifies us are really the foundational pillars of Christianity that I talk about so often. Just to give a couple examples, God sanctifies us through his word. 2 Corinthians 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God's word points us to God. To how God has revealed himself. What God says about us. What it says about the gospel. And without the word, without the scriptures, we are just guessing and inventing our own theology and our own God. But the word points us to God and to truth. In John 17:17, 17, 17, Jesus is praying and he asks God on behalf of his disciples, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We are sanctified by God through his word. We are sanctified by God through being involved in our church and in fellowship. Hebrews 10:24 says, "Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works." That the church itself is meant to have a positive impact on us. Real fellowship and community sanctifies us. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And those are just a couple of examples. That's certainly not an exhaustive list of the means that God uses to sanctify us. Also certainly things like prayer and like serving. God uses those to enrich and mature us in our faith. The ultimate source of sanctification is the Spirit. and It is through daily focus and commitment to God that God sanctifies us. Think for a minute of a person who is totally devoted to God, devoted to these things, not going through the motions, not doing things out of obligation, not making excuses to procrastinate, pursuing God, but sincere daily devotion to communion with the Almighty. And in that, God does amazing things. He transforms, he sanctifies, he makes the unholy holy, and he's working in the hearts of his people. God originally made man good, and humanity fell into sin. But through Jesus, who has redeemed everyone who trusts in him, God is doing a work of restoration. In 1505, the great Renaissance painter Raphael painted Madonna de Cartolino, which depicted Mary with two babies, Jesus and John the Baptist. But 40 years later, an earthquake struck Florence where the painting was housed, and the masterpiece fell to the ground and shattered into 17 pieces. Artists tried to restore the painting at the time, tried to nail it back together, tried to use other paint to put it back together to fix it, tried to cover up the seams, And over the years, other attempts were made as dust and debris accumulated on the painting. But then in modern times, there was an effort to restore the painting. And it took 10 years and 50 artists who worked to restore Madonna de Cardellino. They got rid of the unnecessary excess layers of paint, they cleaned away the dust and debris, they restored the cracks and the creases. And what had originally been a beautiful design had been tarnished. It had been obscured. It was inglorious. But the skilled artists were able to restore the painting to its original vibrancy and luster. They were able to restore it to what it had always been intended to be. And that is what God does in us when we are sanctified through the Spirit. But he sanctifies us in different ways. And he sanctifies us in different ways, sometimes at different times. When we place faith in Christ, we are forgiven of all of our sins. But that certainly doesn't mean that all of our sins become instantly, immediately manageable. Rather, in coming to faith, sometimes there can be things that do quickly fall away, while other sins linger. Sometimes an area of sin, when we become a Christian, we don't even think of it as being sinful. Maybe we've been walking with Jesus for several years. But you feel this tug at your heart from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's in a sermon. Maybe it's in the scriptures. Maybe it's in a sermon that you're watching on TV. Maybe it's from talking to a brother or sister in Christ. And something that you've never really thought a whole lot about, you suddenly feel this this tug, this conviction about what you're doing. That maybe it's something that is not glorifying and honoring the Lord. It can be different things for different people because we all have different sins that we struggle with to begin with. For some of us, it might be control issues. Maybe it's always been a struggle. Never thought about it as being a sin. It's just been second nature for so long. But then, little by little, it becomes revealed that that is an area that needs some work. Or maybe there's another area where God is working in your heart right now. Again, he sanctifies us differently and at different times. One person might have a greater degree of sanctification in one area than someone else. Something that's a sign of Christian maturity might come more naturally while you have other struggles that remain. Again, the person sitting next to you, you guys might have two totally different types of things that you struggle with. Sometimes, the areas where God sanctifies us can be totally dramatic, almost overnight. Again, maybe when you first became a Christian, there were areas where that happened. Where you realized something was sinful, and where you realized immediately you had to give that up. Being more or less sanctified does not mean that a person is more or less right with God, because... The entire process presupposes faith, and it is the faith that saves. It is from God, so we must be aware that it is his work in us, and to not use the to use what God is doing as an excuse for us feeling prideful or boasting about how well we're doing, but to thank God that he's working in us. It's not that we are sanctifying ourselves, but we are enabled to participate. And our sanctification. And certainly, how exactly that works contains an element of mystery. But God does use the things that he has given us, the tools that he has given us, of fellowship with him, fellowship with his people, studying his word. He's given us those tools through which we can be sanctified. Sanctification is never complete in us on this side of eternity, on this side of heaven. Heaven is a place without sin. And we will be fully sanctified in the presence of the Lord. But between now and then, God is working in us. He is changing us. And so I ask what are the areas in your life where God is working? What are the things that are holding you back? What are the genes that you can't bring yourself to throw away? Pursue God every day. Pursue his will and his ways. Live for him. Again, we don't sanctify ourselves, but we participate in our sanctification. And if there's something in your life today where the Holy Spirit is convicting you, if there's something in your heart that you know you shouldn't be doing, I know it can be sometimes difficult to throw those things away. But God is always better. And his gospel is always sweeter. And in turning from sin, it has always been for our own ultimate good and for our joy. I've given examples of some of the means that God uses to sanctify us. But as we continue in this verse, I think everything largely boils down to one thing. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, We contemplate the Lord's glory, we behold the Lord's glory, we focus on the Lord's glory. And all of these things that we do in order to pursue a relationship with God, there needs to be a focus on God, a mindfulness of God, an acknowledgement of God and his glory. There is something wonderful about keeping our attention and eyes and focus on God. Because it's hard to have deep fellowship with the Lord and to take great joy in Him when we are actively engaging in sin at the same time. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Of course we are able to approach God even when we sin. But the mentality to approach God assumes a desire to have a change of heart. We can't have a mind completely focused on on the glorious God of the universe, while at the same moment actively rebelling against Him and against His will. Certainly, it's not that He is unwilling or ungracious, but sin is a barrier. It's difficult when we have a particularly bad area of sin in our lives. And it can be difficult in those moments to want to turn to God in our struggles. Rather, we so often want to hide from sin. We sew fig leaves together and pretend God doesn't see. But continually contemplating the Lord in his glory is transforming. And that word in our passage, translated as transform, comes from the Greek word metamorphometha, from which we get our word metamorphosis. And I think that word really makes the idea more tangible. Because it is a metamorphosis that's happening. God is totally changing us. I think many of us in school learned about butterflies. I talked about this in the VBS videos. And the process of how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly that starts out as an egg that's laid on a leaf. The egg hatches as a larva. The larva eats and eats and eats. As it's growing into a pupa, I'm sorry, into a caterpillar, uh, it continues to molt, to to basically shed its skin and it continues to grow It enters the pupa stage, the chrysalis, uh, where it transforms entirely. It is a metamorphosis. It changes into a different entity from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It changes physically, it goes in without wings, comes out with wings, changes in color and appearance. Everything about it is different. It's a new creation. It's a metamorphosis. And that's what God does through us as we are sanctified. We've seen it in the lives of others. For those of us who are in Christ, we've experienced it in our own lives. Maybe you can think of an area of sin that you used to struggle with. And that now it's something that you don't even really miss. That's the goodness of God in sanctifying us, in not keeping us the same. We see people who are full of anger become soft. We see people who are selfish become servants. People who are apathetic become empathetic. People who walk in fear, who walk in faith. The power of the gospel in transforming souls. And we see it in the Bible itself. Amazing things happening in the lives of God's people. There's a transformation in the life of Paul, the author of 2 Corinthians, our book this morning. He has been a persecutor of Christians, but Jesus dramatically reveals himself to Paul in the book of Acts. And Paul went on to become the greatest missionary who ever lived, writing this book and 12 other books in the New Testament. Sanctification points us to the power of the gospel like few other things. People who are dead in sin, who are made new. First, God saves us, and He frees us from the penalty of sin. And in His goodness, He is working a metamorphosis in our lives. The change isn't a punishment, it's an act of grace. We all have issues. And things that we wished were different. But God purges the sin from our lives. There's this TV show I've seen a few times called Hoarders. I know some people are pack rats, but this show is people who are pack rats on steroids. It's unbelievable, some of the things that they save. Imagine sin being like that. We've got all this junk, but God is the master organizer. And little by little, he's taking things away. And we've got so much excess, sometimes boxes get taken away, but we don't even notice that they're gone. Say you come to faith, and just to throw out a number, say you have 20 things that are issues or vices or sins that you struggle with. You swear like a sailor, you drink like a fish, you root for the bears. But God chips away all of these areas of sin. You're forgiven. But all of those struggles aren't going to go away instantly. But over time, more and more, we are becoming holy. Oftentimes, it seems like there can be a lot of growth when a person first comes to faith. And that can be a really exciting time. Or maybe there's been another time in your life. Maybe it's this season right now, where your relationship with God has been especially palpable. And where you've sensed a lot of growth. Or maybe it's not like that right now for you. I'll say that it doesn't have to be like that forever. But it's hard to improve out of nowhere. And we need to focus on God with unveiled faces. And we need to contemplate the glory of the Lord. Is there anything more important that you could think about than that? It's easy to think, well yeah, God's glorious, I get that but he is the most glorious being in the universe. He is the ruler and sustainer of the universe, the creator of the universe, of all things visible and invisible, the holy God. In every quality which can be ascribed to him, he possesses it in its superlative degree. He's not just a king, but he's the king of kings. He's not just a lord, but he's the lord of lords. He is the beginning and the end. And to have a mind and heart that is utterly enamored, by the wonder of our great God. God sanctifies us through the Spirit. We don't transform ourselves. We don't transform our own hearts. But in participating in our own sanctification, we can actively pursue the Lord. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is sanctifying. He is working. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes it can feel like we're going two steps forward, one step back. But God is working. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. We are being transformed into a greater resemblance of his character. And the fact that we are progressively being changed into the likeness of God should give us hope that we aren't where we will be, but that we're better than we were. It gives us hope of what the gospel promises, of the work that God will do in someone who is walking in faith. And it should give us hope that for the areas where we've seen defeat throughout our lives, that God is still at work. We are not done. The sculptor keeps chipping away at the hard block of stone to work on his wondrous creation. And that who you are is not who you always will be. But we undermine the power of the gospel when we think that a person can't change. Because people are being introduced to God every day. Addictions are being broken every day. Broken marriages are being restored every day. Never forget the power of God and what he can do. Don't forget what he has done in your own life. What he can do in your life. And what he can do in the lives of others. I'm a huge fan of the musical Les Miserables, and I've always been struck by the relationship between Jean Valjean and Javert. Valjean is the protagonist. He spent several years of his life in prison. At the beginning of the musical, he's released. Javert is a policeman. Valjean goes on to become an honest man. But throughout the rest of the story, Javert keeps coming up. In Javert's eyes, even though Valjean has become honest, he has become honorable. For Javert, Jean Valjean will always still be a criminal. All he can focus on is what Valjean has done, and he's blind to the change in his life. But God transforms whatever it is you're struggling with. God has pulled people from even greater darkness. He has pulled people up from even lower places. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We are sanctified by God the Father through the Spirit. If you study this whole passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning really in verse 7 through the end of the chapter here in verse 18, as we've said, Paul's referring back to Moses and the blessings from God during the time of Moses. But Paul is saying that this is a new era, that the new covenant is even greater than what happened during the time of Moses. Now we have the Holy Spirit, which has been given to God's people. And the Spirit enables us to understand God's Word, convicts us of sin, equips us with various spiritual gifts, and so many other things. It says that we are being transformed by the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the point is that in the New Covenant, after the time of Christ and being experienced in believers through the Spirit, we are given God's Spirit and we are sanctified by the Father. The Gospel is the power of God for salvation. And as we close this morning, two stories come to mind. John Newton Was a debaucherous and hedonistic sailor in the 18th century. In his 20s, he was on a ship that was caught in the midst of a tremendous storm, and it was a monumental event in his life and was a catalyst for him becoming a Christian. Newton went on to become a slave trader. Epilepsy took him away from sailing a few years later, and he began to more fervently study the scriptures. He would go on to be a pastor in England for more than 40 years the fact that Newton had been a slave trader would become a source of regret in his life. And he became an avid abolition, abolitionist in England. And he also would go on to write the most famous hymn ever in the English language, Amazing Grace. A second story. Kelly Gissendanner was executed in Georgia in September of 2015. In 1997, while having an affair, Gissendanner. Convinced her boyfriend to murder her husband. On death row, Gisendiner found faith, took up the study of theology, became a mentor and spiritual role model to other women in prison. She went from being a woman full of hatred to having a metamorphosis that can only come from God. God can lift you up from whatever you've done. Anyone who comes to Christ in faith, God forgives. And through the Spirit, he sanctifies. In the moments leading up to her death, as the drugs were being administered, Danner could be heard singing the words of John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, yet now I see. The power of God in the gospel shows us Jesus healing lepers, feeding thousands, walking on water, and conquering death. It takes sinful people and their separation from God and makes them God's people. Surely it can take a hateful person and make them loving. Surely the gospel can take a criminal and make them remorseful. We must not think that a person is ever undeserving of grace. Because none of us truly deserves it. But it is God who makes it available to all who believe in his son. Who went to the cross. And it is through that and that alone that God forgives. To the glory of God forever. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, we thank you that you are a sanctifying God. For the areas in our lives where we do struggle today, Lord, I pray for your work. I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in us and transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.